Good morning. How's Service One doing? So great to see everybody and our online uh, that comes for first service. We just appreciate that you're with us as well. Uh, if you were wondering, no, we don't rebaptize the candidates uh, in service too. We bring out a whole new batch of people who are going to be water baptized. I invite you to stay if you'd like to witness another four or five people getting water baptized in our second service. Just congratulations to everyone who's making that important step today. Uh, guys, I just uh, want to note, you've heard about our, our time of connection in the pool hall next Saturday at 9. I want to encourage you, be looking for someone to bring, maybe someone you're looking to connect with. Think about maybe going out for breakfast and then uh, coming out to shoot pool or shoot pool and go out for lunch. Uh, it's just a great way to make some connections, and we all need those. We'll be playing a good Christian game called Cutthroat. Um, and I remember growing up as a kid, I didn't play hockey, but... Uh, on Sunday morning, you could see all the guys that uh, had been fighting the night before in the Christian Hockey Leagues. Um, so uh, we're not bringing that competition to the pool hall. But uh, Cutthroat's a fun game where three guys come to the table. You choose uh, numbers of the balls, one to five, six to 11, and so on. And uh, last man standing wins, and the winner moves to the next table. It's just a great, great time. So I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys next Saturday. We cover all part three. Our verse that we're looking at is 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. David and his fighting men come back to Ziglag, the city that they live in, to find out the Amalekites have wiped them out and taken hostages, all of their families. No one is left. Everything they own burnt to the ground. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop, the Amalekites? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them all without fail and recover all. Pursue, you will surely overtake, and without fail, recover all. Well, David attacked them from twilight until evening the next day. It was a 24-hour period. I shared with you last week that as we step into these truths of recovering all, that God's will for us is not to be the tail, but to be the head, not to be under the enemy's feet, but to put the enemy under our feet, to learn how to be victorious in our walk with Jesus. But in order to do that, to commit ourselves to a season, uh, you know, it's it, it was a 24-hour day. This was not not an easy warfare. Uh, it, was, it was a commitment. We're committing to a season of recovery. And so David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this truth. I thank you, Lord, that the enemy gets riled up. He doesn't like it when we preach this stuff. Lord, I like it that he doesn't like it. I like it, Lord, that uh, he overplays his hand every time, that he demonstrates uh, in his activity, that he uh, indeed is, is afraid of us. Lord, we want to break fear this morning. We want to we deal with fear, discover faith, and recover all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, last week we looked at this very important starting place if we're going to recover all that we need to recover the stolen identity, that it, when we were born, we had an identity, a destiny in God. We read a verse that said even God's recorded it in a book. And that destiny is ours. But sin separated us from God, separated us from that destiny because the, the enemy stole our identity and began to feed us lies about who we are. So we have to relearn who we are in Christ and recover our stolen identity, and uh, we can move on. 
Uh, and I really, I could, I could have done a five-week series on just our identity in Christ. I really would encourage everyone to look at the resources that we showed you and some books that you can carry on that study. Well, David has a lot to teach us, not only in this passage, but in the passages leading up to this account. And I want to look at one of those, and it's a very famous uh, passage of Scripture of David and Goliath, when David had his famous battle against Goliath, the giant. And David learned some important recovery lessons that he actually applied when he went after the Amalekites. We want to look at those uh, kind of precursors, those pre-learning before he went out to recover all that were already uh, in, his, in his hopper of things he learned from God. In that famous battle between David and Goliath, the army of the Philistines had drawn, uh, come into battle array to declare warfare against Israel. And Israel, they also lined up. And as you read the account that this, this champion of Gath, this giant named Goliath, would come out and defy, uh, defy Israel's army and, and really scare uh, um, scare them to death <laughs> because they were hiding. They would go in behind rocks and bushes. As soon as they would hear Goliath, they ran for their lives. And, and so Goliath, Goliath makes a, a deal with the, with, the, uh, with the army of Israel. We read it in, chapters, uh, in chapter 17. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? So he's, you know, here's this side, this side. We're, we're, we're rivals. We hate each other. Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, uh, you will become our subjects and serve us. Without digressing too much, there's a beautiful picture here of how we, we, we line up as we talk about spiritual warfare. And we kind of think that it's this one-on-one, you know, the devil, evil's champion against us. When indeed, it's not that at all, that really Jesus is our champion. Jesus is the one who stepped onto the battlefield and, and he battled Satan on his ground and won. One hands down, not even a contest on Calvary's Hill as Jesus, as we were demonstrating today, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what the baptism uh, folks are saying. I, I, I identify with that. I want that in my life. His death, his burial, uh, our sin was buried with him, but resurrection, life. But we're the ones that have to go out on the battlefield as we grow, and God wants us to grow in, um, in this battle where we're not dealing with Satan's shenanigans day in and day out, but instead the church is growing to a point that the devil's got to deal with our shenanigans. We're not shenanigans at all, but the work of the gospel, the work of the kingdom. Jesus said that the gates of hell would not stand against the church and the church would not prevail. The church would literally push back darkness from the earth so that the veil could come off people's eyes and they could see the goodness of God and come to salvation. And we're believing for that in a very large way in Cornwall. And everybody said, amen. So we want to we learn how to do this, um, this uh, spiritual battle and to begin learning that the enemy shouldn't be eating our lunch every day, um, that we can take care of this bully. And so we see an example of this with David and Goliath. And so Goliath... Goliath, um, the, the champion uh, of Gath, and Jesus, our champion, but uh, the Israel didn't, didn't have a champion to send down. And without Jesus, we don't have a champion either. So Goliath is using shock and awe as his tactic. 
He was huge. Bible calls him a giant because he was, uh, some say, you know, uh, eight feet tall, some nine feet tall. It's just kind of difficult to really get in because of the ancient measurements that are in the Bible and translating that and figuring out exactly. A lot bigger than me and a lot bigger than you. He had crazy intimidation just in his strength and his size. And quite frankly, there wasn't a man among the Israelites that would have been able to fight with him one-on-one. No way. It's just absolutely impossible. His vast size was intimidating. I'm going to look at a couple of these points and just kind of show you the underlying lie that evil's champion, the devil, tries to feed us uh, as we're doing battle. And so for, for, uh, for Israel looking at Goliath, the lie was that Goliath was stronger he physically was. There's no doubt in reality he was, but the enemy feeds that lie to us. He uses intimidation. He uses the size of a circumstance. He's not going to bring little circumstances your way and think it's going to bother you. He's going to try to bring large, huge, intimidating, glooming, strong circumstances that stand against you into your pathway to intimidate you into believing that the circumstance is stronger than you are. That's the lie. The underlying lie is your circumstance, your difficulty, your battle is stronger than you are. His weaponry was superior. There's no arguing that. It's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Uh, The weapons he had were designed for mass destruction of human beings. Because of his physical strength, because of his ability of training as a warrior, the Bible outlines his weapons um, and it actually tells us that his spear was 12 feet long and the head of the spear was probably over 16 pounds with a counterweight on the end. And those, those measurements and weights just tell us of the immensity. Um, you know, it sounds like, well, 16 pounds, I, I could pick that up. You, probably we could, you can pick up 16 pounds, but to skillfully pick it up, balance it, and be able to deliver, deliver it in a throw Uh, there's probably not a man that could do that in this room, let alone a trained warrior. And I always ask myself the question, who was the guy that took the tape measure and measured Goliath's weaponry, measured that his sword was 20-some-odd pounds and the average man's was two? And to be able to wield a sword in warfare, it can't be more than that. You wouldn't be able to properly balance it. He was able to balance and wield a 20-pound sword. Who took the sword and put it on the scale? Who's recording this stuff? The Bible records it for us, whether it was after Goliath. was Actually, it wasn't after he was dead because it's it's in the precursor of the story. Because the, the, this lie of the enemy that the weapons that the enemy has will prosper against us, that the circumstance that you're facing will prosper, that there is a sense in which when you look at the size of what you're facing, and you may not be facing it today, but certainly you have before today, and certainly you will after today, something that will come into your life, something that will confront you, something of the work of the enemy that wants to rob, steal, uh, and destroy your life, and if you just sit back and allow it, uh, it, it'll happen. But God 
God wants you to rise up, stand to your feet and say, I'm not dealing with this because that's the call and destiny on your life. And that as you look at the weaponry and the circumstances of the enemy, you might be tempted to believe the lie. I might as well not even start this. These weapons are too big for me. We're revealing some lies. These weapons will prosper. Goliath calls any, any other person down onto the field to fight to the death. To fight to the death. And I want you to think about this as I unpack this thought, and then we're just going to spend the next few moments we have dealing with uh, this whole aspect of fear. The Bible says that he was a fighting man since his youth. I don't know how old Goliath was, but I know this. He'd never lost a battle. <laughs> he was used to fighting to the death, and he never lost a battle. Otherwise, he wouldn't be there to fight to the death. I want you to see the lie in this. As he stood and defied the armies and asked for somebody to come down and fight him, what he was saying is, I am not afraid of you. I am not afraid of you. And the lie is that the enemy will tell you he's not fearing. Because when he stands in intimidation, he stands in this pseudo-confidence because we haven't learned the authority that we have in Christ. We haven't really understood it. We don't really believe that Jesus is our, our, our champion because if we did, and we had kind of moved through those ideas and settled them in our heart, then we wouldn't have fear in our heart. Israel wouldn't have had fear in their heart. They would have run down as David did to face the, Goli the, the giant Goliath. But the fact was, the lie of, I don't fear you, was like, well, I fear you. Because you've never lost, and there's a chance I might. There's a chance you'll kill me. There's a chance this circumstance will overcome me. There's a chance. Why bother even starting this if I'm not going to finish it? And so we give up, and we sit back, and we let the enemy triumph. We let the enemy uh, uh, feed us the lie that he's actually not afraid of us at all. Well, last week really was about dealing with those lies and making sure that we weren't buying into them in terms of who we are in Christ. And let me quickly just go over these three lies and how David dealt with them on the battlefield, and he had to break the lie because of who, who, who David was in his champion, Jesus. First of all, the lie that the enemy is stronger than we are. And it feels that way, right? And if we're just kind of left to ourselves and we're looking at our circumstances, we're looking at what we're facing, uh, I know many times in my life, absolutely the place I start at is, man, this is too big for me. This is too much for me. This is more than I can bear. And that begins to play in my mind. But David, uh, as, as he came out on the field, Goliath saw him. He said he saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome. In other words, he was a pretty boy. He, he should have been modeling. <laughs> David was not uh, the picture of a warrior. He was the picture of, of, of a, a, a catalog uh, a, um, model, a uh, young man who's modeling clothes. <laughs> he's, he's, he's this, this description of him, he goes, what in the world? He, he shouldn't even get his clothes dirty. What, what in the world is this guy that's come out on the field, and Goliath is responding. He's handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog? Did you come at me with a stick? 
And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So there, there it is. I'm stronger than you. I'm bigger than you. In fact, I'm so much bigger than you, you've never even gotten your hands dirty before. You don't even have a single scar. You've never even been in a battle. Who are you? David said to the Philistine, you've come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, the size of your weaponry. You've come at me with this confidence of strength, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defiled. And today that we can respond the same way that, uh, that whatever we're facing and that scripture becomes our weaponry, greater is he that is within me than he who is in the world. I'm not fighting this on my strength. I'm not fighting this uh, by myself. God has already fought this battle. I'm just gonna overcome because it's God's will that I push back the enemy, that I learn to fight, that I learn to push back evil. Greater is he that is within me than he who is in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. We begin to uh, understand and believe the word of God as David said, you've come at me this way, but I come at you in the name of my father, the name of his son, the name of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe today I don't stand on this battlefield alone in the midst of this circumstance. Jesus said he'd never leave me or forsake me. And I know he's not about to start right now. We begin to rise up and break the lie the enemy is stronger, though it might feel that way, though our experience in the past might tell us that, but instead to persevere, rise up, and to know that the weapons you and I fight with, the Bible says, are not weapons. As we come in, the lie that his weaponry is superior to ours Look at the size of that circumstance. You don't understand when an anxiety attack hits me. How debilitating it is, or whatever the fill in the blank is for you. I was talking with a pastor friend just this week. He's going through a lot in his life, and he said, it's never happened to me. Um, he, 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 He openly, we talk very vulnerably about his battle against anxiety and how the enemy uh, comes against him in that, that arena and says that the anxiety will always be larger. You'll always be anxious. All of the lies that kind of come with that. And uh, as we were praying together this week, he said, on Sunday, I'm getting ready for service. He said, we're dealing with some things behind the scenes in the church. And he said, um, uh, one of the one of the people on our leadership team who's a point person for a major issue that we're dealing with came and debriefed me, and, and uh, he knows better than to do that Sunday before preaching, but he was curious, how's it going, what's happening, great. So it didn't bother him at all. But if you deal with anxiety, you know the information goes in, your brain consciously and subconsciously starts to process it. He said he's standing, he goes, Roy, it was the weirdest thing. I'm preaching and I can hear myself, but my brain is talking to me at a million miles an hour, even though I'm still preaching, going, and he goes, then everything started to move, and he said, I had to sit down. I was going to pass out right on the stage. And, he's, and so I'm just listening. He goes, man, I'm, I'm not letting this thing beat me. I'm not coming under this thing. I am not, you know, I am, and as he's just declaring, I am the head and not the tail. I'm not going to allow the enemy to keep me from preaching and declaring God's truth because of anxiety. I'm going to rise up and recover all. I'm going to deal with this thing called anxiety, and I'm going to make sure that I, I fulfill all that God's called me to fulfill. Recover all. Say recover all. 
You've made decided today that when anxiety hits you, that it's just part of your life. That's the lie. It's just part of my life. But the Bible says the weapons. You say, well, I, I don't know. I mean, just you, so, you know, understanding the scripture and, you know, these weapons, like, they, are they more powerful? Yeah, the Bible says we don't fight. We don't fight this warfare with, with the weapons of this world, self-help books or, or positive thinking. No, we fight this warfare with weaponry that the Bible describes as having divine power. Divine power. Somebody say divine power. If you will believe it today that God has given your weapons have divine power. That's why the good-looking kid with the slingshot overcame the giant. There was nothing in the natural. He did that by divine power. Somebody says, wow, he was a good shot. He'd been practicing. He'd been in the backside of the desert with his slingshot. Slingshots don't kill giants. They don't even knock them down. I don't care how big the slingshot was or how big the rock was. Yes, he was a good shot because he needed to be, but that didn't kill the giant. There was a power of heaven that got behind that rock. As God said, take careful aim. Uh, aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. God's just having fun with this. If David had missed, I think that the Holy Spirit would have caused that rock to circle the giant four or five times and then knocked him over. But David aimed small, missed small, hit the giant, and there was divine power in his weaponry. You have divine power today to deal with these things that have been robbing from you, stealing from you. You begin by recovering your identity in Christ and then to begin to, to, to learn what David learned. And I want to leave you with this thought today, this lie, this lie that the enemy says that I'm not afraid of you when in fact he is terrified of you. And if you can get that understanding that the enemy is terrified of you when you possess Weapons of divine power, you possess the ability and the authority in Christ and you wield it. And so David said, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, deliver you into my hands. David is saying, today I'm going to get my hands dirty. Today I'll be fighting. Today I'm not fighting alone. You won't be fighting me, Goliath, but you will be fighting the one who defeated you on the cross. You will be uh, fighting the one who has already uh, uh, sealed the deal. Today I'm just doing cleanup. I'm getting my hands dirty. Jesus is delivering me into your hands. And he says, I'll strike you down and I will cut off your head. And it wasn't because David was trying to be graphic by decapitating Goliath, but it's a beautiful picture of removing authority. And we're going to just end with this thought of removing the authority of the enemy. I want to talk to you about fear today. When David said he was going to go out and face Goliath, and we just recounted how he did it. One of the things that he understood before he went that caused him not to be afraid. How is it that a little boy, was he just nuts? Was he just full of zeal? Was he ideal? Well, he was probably those things, but he also knew what he was facing. He said, I'm going to go out, King Saul. King Saul said, no, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. And you can read about it in, the, in that passage. When David convinces Saul, he says to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, killed it. 
David was a shepherd boy, and he would finish a hard day's work of being out with the flock as they were grazing. When nighttime would come, he would light a fire to keep warm. That little fire really didn't have much in the way of illuminating the whole herd. It would just be David and a few feet out that that little bit of light from the fire would illuminate. David recounts as he would hear the roar of a mountain lion. And then the commotion of the sheep. And though he couldn't see what was happening, he knew. He knew the predator had come in and taken a lamb from the flock. And he had just run off with it. David could have just cut his losses and said to the other shepherds, the under shepherds, hey, we need to figure out how to light campfires all around, you know, to put fear into the predators so they don't come and take our lambs. And we never want this to happen again. We don't want this to happen again. Instead, David, as he recounts, recounts the story to Saul, he said, I went after it. I went after it. Come on, somebody here today. I went after it. There's something that rises up, and I'm stirring us in this series. I want you to start going after it. I want you to start getting it done. I want you to start knowing that if you have faced something, and there's been something stolen from you, robbed from you from the enemy, whether it's your health, your finances, relationships, your mental your mental health today, whatever it might be that you're battling, that if the enemy is made off. It's for David, his father gave him sheep. For you, the heavenly father has given you righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And if you don't possess that today, and you're afraid of what the enemy might be doing or might do to your life, that today's the day that you make a decision. I'm going after it. I'm going to rise up in the strength that God has given me. I'm going after it. I'm going after what's mine in Jesus' name. I'm going after what was bought for on the cross. I'm going after my healing. I'm going after a, a God bringing back to life what has been lost and has died. My dad gave me that lamb, said David. Who in the world goes into the darkness of the night to go after something that the big cat took? Well, he catches up with it. And the story tells us that he struck it and he rescued the sheep from the mouth. And we've already talked a lot about it. it's the mouth of the lion. It's the mouth. The Bible says the devil, your adversary, prowls around like a roaring lion looking whom to devour. He roars first. He lies to you. I'm stronger. I'm not afraid of you. My circumstances are bigger than you can handle. He lies to you. David rescued from the lie. He got back from the mouth because he confronted the enemy in the darkness. When I was a kid, we had a, we had a cat named Tiger. And uh, we had a budgie bird. And I don't know how Tiger kept figuring out how to open the door of the cage of that budgie bird, but he kept doing it. And you'd hear that budgie bird just squawking and, and making all kinds of noise, and then it would go silent. And you knew when it went silent, you had about 30 seconds tops to get downstairs. And, and my, I remember my dad going down, because when it went silent, Tiger had the budgie bird in his mouth, clenching, squeezing. Bird can't squawk anymore. And he's going to carry that bird off and have a meal. And you had time. And dad would go down and grab that cat by the scruff and whack it on the back of the head. Drive it, drive it, drive it. And finally, Tiger would spit the bird out. The bird would fly back up to the cage. Um, and, and, and you'd wait for the next time for Tiger to get and grab the bird. And you'd go through it all over again. Some of you in the room, You've understood how to rescue 
in the moment from the enemy, but you have a perpetual enemy today that keeps attacking you, keeps grabbing you, keeps putting pressure around you, keeps coming in the night. And I want you to see this. You've got to see this today. That when he goes and it says he, he struck the lion, and you might know how to strike the enemy and get out of his lies and get out of, um, but there's this, you're, you're tired of the cycle. You're tired of the same perpetual warfare over and over and over again in your life. I want you to, I want to end on this thought today. It says, when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and I struck it and I killed it. See, he knew he had to cut Goliath's head off for a reason. David said, when, I, when the cat, he said, I didn't want to play budgie bird tiger games with those. The way we secured our camp, Saul, is I, I, would, I would get my lamb back, but that lamb was going to grow up and become a sheep. It had a destiny. It had a calling. It was part of my inheritance. It was part of what my father gave me. And I'm not, I'm not dealing with the lions and the bears. So what I would do, if they took something that was mine, not only did I get back out of the mouth of lies, I would grab it by the hair. Now, I want you to see this picture. You imagine grabbing a big old lion by the scruff of his beard and jerking him down and getting eyeball to eyeball with him going, you is an ugly lion. You got bad breath and I hate you, and I'm going to kill you. It's, 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 it, this, is, this is something supernatural going on. Who grabs a lion by his mane and pulls him down and gets eyeball to eyeball? I'll tell you who. Somebody who's decided I'm not going to be afraid anymore. And I need to face in the darkness of my life those enemies that keep coming back over and over. It feels like I'm fighting, and I talked about anxiety. It might be, it, it could be so many, it could be abandonment today. That something took place in your life, and the enemy, he's going to use the same tactic to come into the night season of your life and try to take from you. He'll do it the same way over and over and over again. You might be sitting in this room, and at work, like the story I told last week, feeling like you don't measure up, you're not enough. And something has taken place in your life where the enemy came and took something from you in a vulnerable moment, and you have believed the lie. I'm saying today's the day that you begin to make the decision, I'm going after this. And I'm not just gonna whack the enemy on the back of the head. I'm gonna strike him because I'm gonna get a good look. And I believe this is a season that we begin, many of us need to just find a place in prayer and say, God, what is my lion that keeps stealing from me? Is it anxiety, is it fear? You see, when we begin to understand what has been robbing, because unbelief comes into our life, faith dwindles when we're fighting circumstances over and over and over and over and over and over again. And our faith begins to dwindle and our faith will, get, will begin to get weak. And today I believe what the Lord is saying is deal with your fear, recover your faith. Deal, deal with the fear, recover the faith. 
and begin to be intentional. Every head bowed right now and every eye closed in this room. Begin to be intentional about asking Holy Spirit. You see, we're not aware of what that lion looks like unless we're willing to go in the dark places of our life with the help of the Holy Spirit and grabbing. And as things take place this week, next week, and you realize, wow, this, feel like, this feels like it happens all the time. I feel like I'm dealing with the same thing all the time. Different people, same stuff. Different circumstance, same stuff. Same lies. I'm going to grab this predator of my life by the beard, and I'm going to get a good look at it. And I'm going to get honest and deal with and realize I'm going to strike it and kill it. And all across this room, Lord, I pray that faith begin to rise up, that there are warriors in this room there are people that I've already mentioned, anxiety, depression, anger, or perpetual enemies that are ugly. They're just ugly and they're ferocious, it seems. But Lord, I thank you that we don't have to be afraid anymore about facing those things in the dark places of our life. Father, I break fear that says, I am stuck with this. This is just part of my life. I will always feel abandoned. You don't know what it's like to feel abandoned. You don't know what it's like to be left wondering if that parent's gonna come and pick you up because my folks got divorced and left, one of my parents left me. I sat at the door, dressed up and ready to go so many times. My dad never came and picked me up. You don't know what that's like. No, but Jesus the champion does. And today, he would go with you into those dark places and say, come on, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But it's time to deal with this so you can become the warrior, not, not just getting your lambs back, but having them grow up, having them become your inheritance. It's time to strike the enemy and kill it once and for all. It's time to deal with that predator that keeps coming back over and over and over again. And you're getting trained to deal with the Goliath. You're getting trained to deal with those perpetual enemies because you chose to go into those dark places and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. All across this room, Lord, I pray faith begin to rise up. You want this more than we want it. I would encourage you if there's an area you're well aware of what it is that you just begin to pray your quiet time each day. Say, Lord, begin to show me the scriptures. Begin to show me in your word. And then begin to know that God is going to take you to that place where you're going to strike and kill and separate the authority of this thing in your life, whatever it might be. And I pray for that, Lord. I pray for that right now. That supernatural revealing. Just before we go today, with a spirit of overcoming rising up in this room, with a spirit of hope that's beginning to rise up in this room, a spirit of faith. I'm not going to be under anymore. I'm going to rise up. Jesus is going to help me not just, not just get it out of the mouth of the line. I'm going to learn to kill the predators. I'm going to learn to kill the lions. Come on, somebody in the room. It's rising up. Take hold of it right now and say, I'm going to kill the enemy. <laughs> and just before we sing and you're dismissed, 
the greatest blow that you could give to the enemy, to evil right now, is if you've never invited the champion, Jesus, into your life. The Bible says that we are separated from him because of our sin. If we repent of our sin, that just means turning from going in our direction and coming a new direction as those people declared in the, in the tank, the water baptism tank today. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day of overcoming and of salvation. If that's you today, pray this prayer with us all. I just invite you to pray this prayer. Either If you're online, text in right now. I am praying a prayer to receive Jesus. In this room, let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. I ask you today to come in my life. I repent of my sin. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Set me on a new path of my destiny in you today. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? We believe if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you're born again. Share it with somebody in a black t-shirt today. Uh, they'll give you a Bible. We'll dismiss in just a moment. Let's sing this before we go. Team is, our ministry team is coming. I would encourage if anything resonated in your heart today and you want to be an overcomer, come and have someone partner with you in prayer today. Stand together in faith. The Bible says we're two shall agree. It's done in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, God, that we can find freedom in you, Jesus. We can recover all from yes. Jesus through you. Father, I just pray for every person this morning as we leave this building, God, that we will leave with the mission to recover all. Father, I pray for everybody for their protection and health, God. Take us, bring us back next week safely. In your name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.